Welcome to episode 81 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy features conversations in Canadian theatre with artists of all stripes, from actor to director to playwright and more. If you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at stageworthypodcast.com. If you are in Toronto on June 25th, 2017... Uh, I would love for you to come out to uh, something I'm doing called Shakespeare Retranslated. It's a reading of Romeo and Juliet. And Shakespeare Retranslated is uh, something I've been working on. It's going to be a fundraiser for a show I'm going to be doing in November. But for this, what happens is I'm going to take Romeo and Juliet. I'm going to run it through Google Translate and translate it into another language and then translate it back into English. And then I'm going to make a very talented and brave group of actors read it. Uh, You can find this uh, on Facebook. You can search for Shakespeare Retranslated. You'll find it there. Uh, You can find it on brown paper tickets as well. Uh, And uh, tickets in advance, $25.30 at the door. I would love to hear you. I'd love to see you there. Um, So hopefully you can come out. My guest this week is actor, choreographer, producer, writer, and director Chantal Ford. Chantal's play Grey premieres at the 2017 edition of the Toronto Fringe Festival. Your show is Grey. Yes. Is the title. And, yeah. And you've written it. Yes. Now, I, I was looking... There are little hints in what you sent to me, the description of the show, that, that made me think that it's based on a true story. So, I've done some Googling, just try to find uh, if there are some familiar names. And uh, so, I've come to the, the assumption that Grey is not based on a true it story. It is not based on a true okay. It is very loosely inspired. <coughs> okay. Very loosely inspired by okay. a newspaper article I read a decade ago. Okay. Um, can you describe Grey for me? Um, yes. Well, we've just been working on our tagline for the program. <laughs> so, oh, I, I'll read it to you. Tell me if okay, you think yeah, it's yeah, good. Because yeah. we were just tossing it back and forth. I was like, is this a good concept for three sentences? Or you this for the program? For the because program. That the, it, that's like, I was just saying to somebody just this week, like, isn't that the hardest thing to, like, sum up the whole thing in, like, three yeah, sentences? Yeah, and in a catchy way. Yeah, in yeah. a way that makes people say, oh, oh what I have is this matchup. Yeah. So this is, this is the mm-hmm. one that I've, we've settled on so far. Um, Twelve years after the murder of his son, Charlie Alexander is face-to-face with the killer on the day of his parole hearing. Jumping through time to explore the events surrounding the murder and the circumstances that brought them to that place, we discover that not, not everything is as black and white as one would like to perceive. Hmm. Hmm. It's like it feels <clears throat> like it's a little wordy for a two a or three bit, sentence. A little, bit, a little bit wordy. Maybe That's for the bigger reason. one. Yeah, yeah. It'll work, yeah. but I think for the two or three sentences, bit, it can be trimmed a little bit. Yeah. Just to just to throw that out there, but yeah, I mean, no. it's, it's good. It's good. That's that's the basic idea of it. Uh, yeah. So, this article, you saw this article like 10 years ago, yeah. and it must have stuck with you for a while. Um, it did. It did. A lot. It really, it, so the article was um, a man, it was like this big in the paper, mm-hmm. and it was a man who um, had, his son had been killed at a house party. And mm-hmm. with an axe. Ooh. Yeah. Like brutally That's... brutal. So he had been... Um, it was his friend's house. Some unwanted guests came. He decided to stand up for them. One of the unwanted guests got grabbed an axe. It was in the garage. 
they grabbed an axe off the wall and killed him. And uh, so in this article, it was an interview with the father, um, like mini, mini mm. interview, and uh, he'd also just lost his wife Ooh. four months prior to cancer. Mm. And it just like was devastating. Yeah. It was just like, that's this, he, he, it was the only child they had. It was, that was his whole life yeah. gone in four months. And, and so that, it just stuck with me. I was like, I don't know when, and I don't know what the show will be, but in there somewhere, that's a crazy story that Mm -hmm. needs to be told. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's where it, that, and it sat with me and Mm. throughout, like over the last four years, I guess, it's sort of come in and out of, Mm. out of my head. And I was like, oh, maybe it's a story about this. Maybe it's a story about antidepressants and how we deal with grief. Maybe Mm. it's a story about this. And then, I guess it was last summer. Mm. sort of was like oh no what happens if you take people you take somebody who's in a neighborhood that's known for gang violence and known for these things but it's a culture that they love you take them out of the neighborhood mm. and they still get killed <clears throat> did, who's uh, to blame did you had you been like writing it on and off with different different ways of, of like, looking at it or were you just thinking about how it might be um, I wrote outlines Okay. I wrote outlines for the different mm-hmm. sort of ideas that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, this one stuck with me, especially, so I work at a restaurant, mm-hmm. and I was chatting with a, a regular that comes in who usually doesn't talk, and mm-hmm. one day he came in, and he <coughs> didn't stop talking. It was totally bizarre. I didn't know what was going on, and we started chatting, and uh, he found out that I'd grown up in Oakville, mm-hmm. and, and he just started asking questions about it. And it turns out that he and his wife had been having a lot of conversations about if they wanted to move. Mm-hmm. And so he had thought, you know, maybe Mississauga, so it's still close to work and whatnot. And his wife was very not about it mm-hmm. um, because she because they were a black family. Right. And she was just like, I don't think it's the same. The culture's going to be the same. I don't. I want our kids to grow up in an area right. where they can see themselves everywhere and yes. their culture yeah, is yeah, reflected. Yeah. Yeah. And so he'd been asking about that and that sort of nail in the coffin mm-hmm. so to speak where I was just like that's that's what it is that's how the story works mm. and and how the father wanted one thing did something for the good of his son and then lost his son anyway yeah and mm. Mm. <clears throat> does uh, does working in a restaurant do you get a chance to watch people and like learn about <laughs> people oh yeah yeah all the time yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah that's half the fun yeah. of it yeah like constantly I'm just in the back writing down so I'm like just overheard this like yeah. remind myself of that later do you ever watch like people and just like without even having to listen to them like and make up their entire out, like, stories oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. all the time yeah yeah sometimes it's ridiculous but most of the time yeah well I mean yeah, if it's, even if it's relationships. ridiculous still like relationships. Yeah, relationships play out over dinner right? mm-hmm. and people don't tend to pay attention to to the staff no not at all. Like sometimes you'll stand there for sixty seconds, mm-hmm. and they're just finishing their conversation before they'll take a break to look up at you. So you're like, yeah. "Well, I could interrupt, or I could just listen." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, have you always been a writer? No. No. Okay. No. So I started about, as me... an actor. Okay. Well, in my childhood, I started as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided I was going to go to university for science. Um, for uh, forensic psychology, actually, okay. was was what I was interested in. Um, but then my mother pointed out that I was basing my university choice on which had the best extracurricular theater. <laughs> <laughs> which was like, 
maybe you want to consider auditioning for theater schools, like all good parents say. That, wait, I, I have to I have to stop right there and ask about about that particular thing because that's not a thing that a parent normally says. No, to and she child. instantly regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah no that quite literally I I was like I've been accepted to. Guelph, Queens, and I can't remember where the other place was. And and it was like, well, I got a scholarship here and got this like minor scholarship here and this one's for science. Mm. My friend's going here. Mm. But Queens has the best theater program, so I can still do that. And I just kept talking about it. Mm. Yeah. So mm. she so she actually found uh, two theater programs that were three programs that were auditioning. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, just go, just so your options are there. And I went, and I accepted. And then she started questioning everything. Had you, had you been on like an <laughs> academic track until you started looking for universities? Like, had you been like when you were uh, in in high school? People were like, what do you want to do after high school? Oh, it never crossed my mind to go into the arts. Okay. I loved it. I mean, when I was a kid, of course, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and that. But in high school, no. Like I always, I danced and all the way through. I did all of this extra, like the after school theater programs mm-hmm. and to drama class. But no, I'd never actually considered. I'd never crossed my mind to audition for a theater school. Mm-hmm. Just, I guess, I didn't know anybody who had done it. All of my friends, all of my family, no, nobody had done it. it just didn't yeah. really occur that it was actually an option. Huh? Yeah. If you don't, if you don't know it's not an option, you can't make it an option. Yeah. So, I think my mother, she may regret that (laughs) now. (laughs) Uh, So you came to acting through dance. Yes. So were were you one of those children that was dancing from the time that you were, like, Walkable? Um, I started dancing when I was three, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't start taking classes at like our respectable ballet school until I was seven, eight, mm-hmm. eight. So that was, yeah, so it was always sort of in and out, and then when I realized this is the one thing that I really want to do, like forget gymnastics and figure yeah. skating, dancing is what I want to do. So then I started dancing at a so ballet school. Ballet. Ballet is what I started with um, for probably the first five years. I only did ballet, and then we added in modern, and then we added in jazz, and we added in tap. Was there anything that made you decide that ballet dance was not the thing that you were going to do with your life? Oh, I wasn't good enough. (laughs) My body was all wrong. Like, my feet don't, my arches aren't good enough for point. So it got to Mm. a point where I I couldn't do the ballet exams anymore when point was a big section of them. Um, So I knew I would never be a ballet dancer. And yeah, my turnout wasn't good enough. Mm. I didn't have enough flexibility. So while I was very good on stage, Mm. that's normally why I would pass the exams was performance. Right. Um, But physically, my body Mm. wasn't cut out for dancing. Just at all? Or just ballet dance? Like, did you find um, that jazz was the, the same sort of thing? I th- no, I, I probably could have followed up in jazz, but I think my basis was so strong in ballet mm. that it didn't actually seem possible to go forward in a professional way in dance mm. um, without a strong ballet basis, okay. which is probably incorrect. But mm. again, you know, I made the decision when I was 17. Yeah, well, you make these choices. Um, so you went... But you were doing theater at the same time as that in, in yeah, school? Yeah. What kind of shows were you doing? Were you doing musicals? Were you doing... Uh, uh, we did the first 
the first play I ever did was an Agatha Christie murder mystery. Okay. Um, I cannot remember the name of it. I was in grade seven, but I had to do a really bad Cockney accent. <laughs> yep. My cousin was in the audience and yelled out in the middle of it, no, no, that's Chantal. <laughs> <laughs> Like, thanks for ruining it. Yeah. Because um, they didn't know. Mm. Um, and then in high school, it was a cross. We did uh, Shakespeare. We did Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm. We did The Miser, Moliere. Um, we did some musicals. We did mm. Guys and Dolls. Mm. Um, we did Leader of the Pack. Yeah. yeah. So it was a big variety. That's good. It was yeah. a, lot of, a lot of variety. It was a lot of variety. Um, so you were going to go and you were going to do this forensic psychology thing. Yeah. And then you totally mom, got diverted. Saved you, yes, from that. <laughs> and to her regret, perhaps. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what were the schools that she found for you to audition for? Uh, American Academy of Dramatic mm-hmm. Arts, Randolph, mm-hmm. and Sheridan. And where did you end up going? Randolph. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to do American Academy, but it was really expensive. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do Sheridan because I grew up in Oakville and I didn't want to live at home anymore. Right. That's that's legit. Because, you know, if you're going to go to college, you should not live at home. No. No. My mom was like, it's so great. You can just walk to school. I was like, no, No, I'm not even auditioning. I don't care how good the school is. I'm not auditioning because I don't want to live in here Mm -hmm. anymore. Time for me to go. Yeah. So yeah. So Randolph. So Randolph. Randolph was the choice. And uh, you. So you're at Randolph. And is it a two year, three year course? Two years. Two years. It's two two year round. Okay. So it's still right. six. It's six semesters, but right. done in two full years. That's a pretty intense. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah. And it's a conservatory program, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how were you? What, like, I'm so. I'm sort of like finding this like this writing thread. Were you writing in school, or is that like a really recent thing? Um. I always loved writing. Okay. I, yeah, I, I have my first poem that I ever wrote when I was seven, mm-hmm. and I wrote it on my grandmother's like floral notepad. <laughs> it was all about like how war is bad, uh-huh. um, and it was it started with poetry. Definitely, mm-hmm. I had like all the little um, books of like Elizabeth Barrett Browning and Shakespeare poetry, and um, and then short stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, I n- it never crossed my mind to write a play mm. uh, until I was in theater school. We had the choice once of writing um, writing a monologue mm. for ourselves, or we could take one and change it and adapt it. Right. So I wrote my own, and that was the first time I ever wrote anything to do with theater. How did that go? Great, great. Yeah, yeah it was it was so freeing. I was like, mm. oh, I can create a whole world here. Like I don't have to. It still didn't enter my mind that I was interested in doing it. It was just really fun. Yeah. Um, I also did, I organized some of our classroom projects. So I would take the monologues and piece them together to make a show. Mm. Um, when we graduated, we a few friends of mine wanted to put together a cabaret to try to get agents. Mm-hmm. So they all chose their sort of top five songs. Right. And then I created a script around it nice. so that we could create a show. So that's, nice. but again, didn't think about being a writer. I just did it because I was like, oh, sure, I can do that. Mm. And then I'll act. Um, <clears throat> so yeah. when when did writing for theater start, like, like considering that you were writing for theater, start being a thing? Um, my f- uh, A good friend of mine um, told me that I was a writer. <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking. We uh, I had moved to Vancouver uh-huh. um, with my friend and her husband, and... 
uh, we, yeah, they, they moved out there. They're like, we think you should come. It's great out here. There's lots of business. Like, you know, you can get an agent. So I went out and we were sitting and I, I, we'd just been ta- he was into writing and I don't know what we were talking about, but one day he was just like, you're not an actor, you're a writer. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> he was like, yes, you are. And I refused it. And then he gave me, he's like, you wrote this, you've done this, you've done this, you think like this, you're a writer. And I fought it for a couple of years. Um, and then I saw a, pl- a musical that was being workshopped and I had a ton of ideas for it. And um, my friend ended up putting me in touch with the creator mm. and we started talking and I started dramaturging and then I ended up writing the book for it. Mm. And that, that was what actually got me in. I was just like, here's how we can do this. Do you know what it was you were fighting against about writing? I don't. Hmm. I don't know. I think it was probably um, the idea of giving up something that I had studied Hmm. and worked for and had set my mind. Like, I was like, there's no plan B. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be successful. This is it. And I think I just determined that so much in my head that I didn't really see outside of it. Also, I'd never studied it. Right. I didn't know, like, I'd never taken any courses in writing, so there was also that fear of, okay, so this one person said that I'm good, and, like, a couple people have said that they like what I do, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. I've been told that I can perform for yeah. my whole life. I haven't been told anything about writing. Right. So it was, yeah, I guess fear of failure was yeah. the biggest thing. Well, I mean, there's also, I don't know, I'll ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about mm-hmm. the Randolph program. Um, do they talk about self-producing at all, or are they preparing you for the 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 the, the traditional acting track where you audition, get the job, audition, get the job, and so on and so on and so on? Um, the the basis of it is mm-hmm. in traditional theater mm-hmm. for sure. Um, they do encourage it more now than ever. Now that they've moved to the not now, I went to school a million years ago when I was over on Young. Right. Um, but the, the Bathurst Street Theater and their involvement with Fringe, mm-hmm. that sort of introduced people to it, to the idea of creating your own work and what mm-hmm. the festival circuit is. Um, they, we definitely did a few workshops that mm-hmm. were in different sort of areas, like the business areas. And, and so it, while it wasn't, I, it was, there wasn't a big push for it, mm-hmm. they definitely introduced the idea mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. When I was in theater school so many, many years ago. Um, the the idea of being anything other than an actor was like there were... We got the sense that there was no such thing as an actor slash anything. If you were going to be an actor slash anything, then you had failed at being an actor. Mm. Sort of like the idea that... Uh, what, the unspoken idea that was sort of like in our heads, yeah. I think, at the time. It certainly was in mine. And I think that a lot of us were like, if people see you as anything other than an actor, they're going to make you want to. They're going to make you do that. Right. Um, so the idea of like, oh, I'm also a writer. Well, then we'll make you. Make you well, do then writing. you do know that. that's that's what yeah. the thing they're going to make you do. They are the, do <laughs> the, the the unknown. You know, the, those <laughs> the theater people they, yeah. who will make you do things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is Gray your first play? Like no. It is. It isn't. Um, I did one in the Fringe in 2015, okay. um, and that was my first full-length play. I'd written a bunch of short plays before that, um, 
And that was uh, perceptions of love in the pursuit of happiness. Okay. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the first, okay. that was a 90 minute. Hmm. That was the first full one. And then before that, I'd written um, 10, 20, and 30 minute plays for festivals and events. Hmm. How, what was it like seeing your first full length play performed in front of a fringe audience for the first time? Was that like... Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, there were three days leading up to it where I was sure I was going to throw up every five minutes. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% terrified. It, but when it was happening, how long did, it, did you go from I want to vomit to whatever you felt afterwards? At the end of the first run. Okay. Yeah. The end of the first run. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's not so bad. Yeah. That one of vomit feeling, I think, is a pretty common one uh, <laughs> for a new so. project and things like that. Yeah. Um, I had that last summer. I was performing my own thing, and I spent the whole day, bef- like the full day before I performed it, feeling I was going to vomit. It's the worst. It is the worst. <laughs> it, I think we just have to, like, I don't know, grab a baggie. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, okay, well. <laughs> um. So, did, was Grey written before you got into the Fringe Festival this year, or was it, like, in progress? It was in progress. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. Get, I imagine getting into the Fringe sort of lit like, a fire. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're actually doing this? Okay, yeah. back to the computer. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and... and so you're working, you're not acting in it, you're just, just no. writing. Writing and co-directing. Okay. Um, and... Has it been difficult finding all the people that you need to fill the roles of the play? We just finished casting mm, yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we had our final actor in place yesterday. Nice. Um, Yeah, there was was a few challenges in it, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly the one character that's the father character, Mm -hmm. because he has to span from age 28 to age 52. Mm. So finding somebody that could play all ends of... The spectrum. That's tough. Yeah. How do you find? How do you find? And, and I imagine without any time for makeup, for one thing. Oh yeah, no, they're yeah. gonna most likely be on stage for the entire mm-hmm. time. So it'll just be a matter of glasses or yeah. a jacket or yeah, hair up versus down. That's that's the only switches that there will be. Um, yeah, it was it was very difficult, and especially that that particular character is black. Mm-hmm. So finding a black man that can play twenty eight to fifty two. Mm-hmm. In a pretty, like, a reasonably challenging role, like, yeah. emotionally challenging role was, yeah, that was... Did you find it hard tough. to, like, I mean, so there, I was, there's a lot of, you know, there's the whole, like, we need to make, have more diverse theater, things like that. People are often told, uh, people who run theaters, I've heard it said, you know, you have to seek out the community, get the community to come to you. Um, was that, and I mean, I agree with that. But did you have trouble, like, reaching out to find the people to audition for this role? Did you have trouble, like, no. did you know where to, where to even go? To I, 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 you know, for the most part, I went to the regular sources, mm-hmm. E-Drive, mm-hmm. TAPA. Um, I reached out to Obsidian Theater mm-hmm. and, um, oh, what is the other one? There was one other theater. But I reached out to them mm-hmm. um, to pass the casting notice along to anything anybody they thought mm-hmm. might be appropriate, um, and that was it. Mm. That that was all. There was a huge amount of people came out. That's great. Yeah, That's it, great. it was really it was really nice. It was mm-hmm. I mean, except for the older man, 
the other the other roles were yeah there was hmm. so many people and people we actually had one person come out and he was great um, after the audition we wanted to call him back um, when he came back we, we were looking at his resume and he'd only done film and TV and quite a lot mm. and, and regularly yeah. so I sort of asked him why like why now why do you want to do theater and he'd, he'd only ever seen one play before okay which was mind blowing mm-hmm. and and he said and it was Raisin in the Sun was the okay. only other play he'd seen and he saw he, he said that he saw the breakdown and just the content mm. that the, that was the appeal he said it wow. sounded interesting and and it never, it didn't really occur to me, other than the fact that I knew I was going to have a hard time casting the father. Um, it didn't occur to me that that would be part of it, that people would say, oh, that's a role that's specifically for me, not just mm-hmm. any ethnicity. This is specifically for me. Right. And, and I've always, you know, I've heard people say that, like, you want to see yourself reflected on stage yeah. and see all the things and... And but it didn't occur to me. And then when somebody mm. said that, I was like, "That's mm. it's true. This role is actually for you, right? Not for anybody." Mm. You had a moment when you were saying that you'd only ever seen one play, where you <clears throat> could. It's almost like you you in this as you were describing that you couldn't believe that anybody could only have ever seen like one play. Oh yeah, it blew my mind. <laughs> and yet, have you ever been talking to somebody and they say about what you do? Oh, I don't like the theater. I saw a play once. I've never. Yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. This is everything has been coming up a whole lot lately. Exactly like that. And like people like huh? do that. And like, you don't do that when you see a bad movie. No. You, know? you don't do that. You don't go out for food and go to a restaurant and say, well, that food was terrible. I'm never, never going eating, to a restaurant. Never eating food again. <laughs> never, never, exactly. Yeah. Well, a TV show was bad, I guess, but a television set. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. yet, theater is this thing where yep. people just. I think I think that people have a, a perception that it's for elite, that they can't afford it or it's not for yeah. them. Which is sometimes not helped by certain theater pra- uh, uh, prices. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. And it, the scarcity of tickets. And it can be intimidating to go to a big theater Giant like you've never theater. been before. And you're like, all you've got is like these massive, gorgeous theaters. And that's what you're thinking theater is. Yeah. That's frightening. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It, it it is. And, I don't know, that's kind of, that's part of why I love Fringe, because it's so accessible. Yeah. And people that maybe are unsure, like, oh, well, it's only $12. It's only yeah. Okay. Exactly. All of a sudden, it's like, well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And then you also only spent $12 and 60 or 90 minutes of your time. So if yeah. you didn't love it, it doesn't feel like it was a huge investment Yeah, lost. a lot of times, like, the stakes are so low for Fringe. Yeah. Because most of the shows are 60 minutes, and you're like, well, like, what, $12 in an hour of my life? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll try. Why not? Yeah. There's, I love, I love the, uh, the, the chaotic nature of Fringe that you don't know because it can be anything because anybody can enter that lottery. And I love that regardless of what city I'm in for a Fringe, it's like, the mo it's it's it is I call it a, it's a crapshoot because you don't know yeah. especially if you go that first weekend if you're one of the brave ones who doesn't wait for the reviews yep. which I highly recommend yes is like go Always. to a show and see. you don't know and maybe it's crap yeah. or maybe it's not maybe it's great it might be amazing mm-hmm. I and I think to myself imagine a person who was in I don't know the first performance at Toronto Friends of Kim's Convenience and didn't know 
how amazing that was. I mean, word spread, but like, was there that first night? Yeah. It was this amazing thing. You know? Totally. How awesome That's, would that be? Yeah. It's like, like yeah. you got in on it before. Yeah. Before it was the big hit. When did you discover Fringe? Um, hmm. I think it was just after, just after I finished school. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. So I guess around maybe 2002, 2003 okay. was the, one of the first times that I went just as, a, mm-hmm. as an audience member. Um, the first time that I participated in Fringe was actually the Vancouver Fringe Festival. Okay. Um, I directed I directed a show in that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then ever since I've done, directed a couple of shows, mm-hmm. been in a couple of shows. Other than Vancouver and Toronto, have you done any other Fringe Festivals? No. Have you ever have you ever thought about doing other French? Festivals? I have thought about doing what's that. On, what's on your list? Uh, well, well, I wouldn't. I would kind of like to do a, like across Canada. Yeah. One of those yeah. ones. Just travel across. Um, I've heard that the one in um, in Manitoba, Winnipeg, the Winnipeg one, I've heard is amazing. Mm, it is. It is. And if you only know Toronto or Vancouver, you are in for a surprise. Yeah. Vancouver, sorry, Winnipeg and Edmonton, everybody knows. Yeah. Like, you know how if you walk up to somebody in Toronto and you go, come see my Fringe show, most people are like, what's huh? Fringe? Yeah. <laughs> Winnipeg and Edmonton, if you say, come see my Fringe show, people will be like, oh, which theater? Nice. Like, everybody knows it's happening. That's amazing. It's like, the, it's the it's focus the of the thing. city. Yeah. 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 A fringe tour across this country is it, it would be pretty is pretty incredible. It would be pretty amazing. The only downside is that once you get to the end of the summer, you have to make a choice as to which direction you go. Yeah. Whether you go west or whether you go to the Maritimes, because yeah. the Maritimes they're in the uh, fall. They're in the fall. Mm. They're like end of August into September, just like uh, uh, Victoria and uh, Vancouver. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it would be amazing. I think the key would be to either have. A lot of money <laughs> or a really tiny show. Both go hand in hand. <laughs> Both can cushion your 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 trip because of course everything costs money. Mm. And one of the things that, that I know like when I was thinking about my own fringe tours that I didn't think about at first was the fact that your budget should include food. Oh right. People like to eat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like you should think totally. about that as you're as you're putting money together because most times you're thinking about uh, you know, uh, uh, props. Uh, what do you, what's it cost to run the show? Transportation. But well, you're not thinking about food. No, no, you totally wouldn't. Right at all. And so you get, you know, suddenly you're like, oh, like if you don't do well that fridge, <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Will mime for grilled cheese? <laughs> well, that's that's a sign that might work in some places. I mean, there are there are, uh, some of the fringes have. Uh, they have buskers that go there at the fringes, so the mime for grilled cheese might work there too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of in terms of gray, um, so you've got this this play that was inspired by a true story, um, but is really your own invention, mm-hmm. um, and you've just come up with with your you're working on your blurb for uh, the program, and you've got all of your. Promote you're getting together all of your promotional material. Yeah. Um, what's it like uh, for you preparing to hand this play 
to a bunch of actors when it's lived in your in your head for so oh, long. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, there's been other shows that I'm not excited, as mm-hmm. excited, because there's that little fear of, like, you know how all of the characters sound, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, there's something about this one where... I'm intrigued by the cast, right. first of all. Like, I, I love the people that we've cast. Um, and I can't, I can't wait to see where they take it. I think I haven't lived with this one as long as other plays. Mm. Like, I'm a pretty slow writer. Okay. Um, and I tend to get several drafts out mm. before anybody even sees it. Mm. Because this one was a little bit faster for me, mm. um, I think maybe it just hasn't sat with me as long. So I'm, I'm not... I don't have as clear of an idea. I know right. that there are switches. Um, it takes place in three time periods. Mm-hmm. So I know that in order to make it the most effective, there's probably going to be some shuffling of where the scenes go. Right. But I won't know that until I see it on its feet. So right. I think this will be a little bit more of a... I mean, the first month of rehearsal will be a lot more workshoppy mm-hmm. rather than, okay, let's get into yeah. rehearsal right away. So yeah. it'll be nice to sort of get that input and work mm-hmm. with people to see how it actually can come together. When you say that you're usually a slow writer, like how long does it usually take from like beginning of writing to uh, uh, it's quote-unquote done uh, um, on average? I mean, a lot of it depends on if there's a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I can be a fast writer. But, um, yeah, it also... I don't know. I I haven't actually sat and tracked it out. Mm. I guess I I started writing this one in the fall, Mm. but then I had to take big breaks because I was in busy productions. Right. So I have never... I mean, when I've sat down and wrote something straight Mm -hmm. I did a short play it was 30 minutes I guess and that took about three weeks to write so in that case it didn't feel very long but there was a deadline yes yeah 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 um this one took me 10 years in essence (laughs) really I mean I read the article and knew I wanted this to be a play but I didn't actually have the right idea until the fall so I guess it's I guess usually for my this being my third full length, I did a musical as well. Mm. Um, uh, on average, it's a year from I'm pen to paper to mm. I feel comfortable putting this out in the world. Mm. Um, usually, when you're going through that process, are you uh, do you bring in people to read it at various points, or does it just live in your head for most of the time? Mostly lives in my head. Yeah, mostly. Um, when I've come to a draft that I'm comfortable sharing, I share it with my husband first. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also an artist and a writer, uh, so he, he'll do it first mm-hmm. and then give me his feedback and then I'll shape it and then I'll bring in usually a couple close friends mm-hmm. when it's the second or third draft mm-hmm. um, to read it with them. Mm-hmm. And then based on that, I'll revise it more and then maybe share it with right. an audience. So Because it makes me want to vomit. Yes, well, <laughs> that, that's, 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 It's yes. terrifying. Yeah. Every time yes. I share any work, the first draft, even with my mm. husband, mm. the first time I was just, I'm just panicked because I was like, oh. what if it's terrible? Well, what yes. if this is awful? I have, I have, I know what you mean. Anytime I write something and, you know, I'll share with my girlfriend, but, you know, some people who aren't in theater sometimes have difficulty reading scripts. Mm-hmm. So she's like, when you do reading, I want to hear it because then it'll make sense. Yeah. So then, uh, that's great. 
but then I'll get like some people together and the whole time that they're getting ready to read it I'm just like my glasses are fogging up because my body temperature is so high I'm like trying to <laughs> not show that I'm sweating I'm not throwing up but it's just like I just like the tension is so it's like oh I don't even know this is working yeah yeah it's just so <laughs> stressful the whole time it's incredible yeah like why it, do we do this well, exactly. yeah. it is like yeah. why do we how why do we continue to pursue something that we're clearly insecure about and that is like so nerve-wracking but but then we're not we can't be that insecure because we continue to do it i i think that we're insecure because like that first time we don't know if it works but yeah. when it does oh that, like <laughs> it's oh, true you know it's like it's that like, whole feeling oh, like oh it's yeah. so good yeah. and then you want to do it again it's true. You know? Yeah. And so it's not just like, yes, there's that little while of like, I'm so insecure, but then once it's working, you're like, yeah, yeah. I that. There's that sort of thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, you were mentioning some other productions that you had in the fall. What do you, what have you been working on? Um, in the, in the fall. So my husband and I do a pantomime okay. every year uh, out in Oakville. And so that is, it's a, it's a co-production, so it's semi-professional. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the professional part is on the technical side. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we work with a community theater group nice. to do the acting side with a couple of professional actors in it. And yeah, so that was our fourth year. That's fun. Doing it there. Um, yeah, it's the total opposite of mm-hmm. Grey. <laughs> so you, you do that in Oakville. Mm-hmm. Are you living in Oakville? No, you, but I live downtown. I'm from Oakville. Um, so you, you go back to Oakville to do this, to do this thing as sort of like a way of keeping in touch with home? Um, it was actually, it was actually four years ago, my, or five years ago, I guess my mother, again, again, your again mother. my mother, your mother. <laughs> she was the one that put me in touch with this group that they had just gotten a grant, mm-hmm. um, to, to hire a director and they wanted to do a family show and they were thinking about a pantomime. Mm-hmm. And so she was the one that put me in touch with them. And, mm. and yeah, so thanks, Mom. <laughs> and that's been, that's been and, a, like a four-year thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we just have confirmed dates for the fifth year. So. Amazing. And it's been, it's been incredible. It's, I guess there's not a lot of... There's only really one theater there. Mm-hmm. And there's not a ton of family stuff. There's like stuff for kids. Yeah. And then there's lots of adult stuff. Um and, and there was a need for it. Yeah. And we didn't know. The first year we did four shows because we had no idea how it was going to go. And they sold out like crazy. Mm. And now we do seven shows and most of them sell out. Yeah. And the kids are just... So except for a lot of them, it's their first time seeing theater. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why Panto is so important is because for most kids in, that, that have the opportunity to see it, it's the first time they're in a theater yeah. seeing a play. Yeah. Which is incredible to think about. Yeah, that introduction. Yeah. What a fun way to be introduced to theater. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, exactly. Yeah. And are you writing these shows? Yes. Yes. Where do the themes that you're writing the pantos come from? Do they come to you and say, "This is what we would like to do," or do you just decide on 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 what it's going to be that year? We we, we just decide. Yeah, we decide mm-hmm. on the show, and mm-hmm. then the sort of themes that we're going to take the twist up with come mm-hmm. after we've decided. Mm-hmm usually on a patio over wine in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best time to think about a show for the fall. Is it, is it October or November that you do that? Is that we like actually do the them We uh, we do them in December. Nice. The shows run in yeah. December right over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we usually we write them in the summer. Yeah, and then pantos rehearse over the fall. I find the it's amazing, but also a little bit tragic that the time when we think about theater for children is at Christmas, and it's great that we have this thing. The kids are out of school. We have a thing for them to do, but it's like the one time of year that we actually think we should do something for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Why like why why not? Yeah. More throughout. Mm-hmm. Throughout the year, throughout the summer. I mean there are places for it. You've got Young People's Theater. Yeah. And you've got uh, Solar Stage in North York. But yeah. it's just it's like we do it for kids on a large scale, because like those pantos are often like a big big deals. Mm. We do it at that one time of year rather than like throwing a thing for kids on at any other time of year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I guess they're also thinking that that's when it'll sell, mm. right? From a production standpoint, because it's like you, they're specifically yeah. looking for yeah. for something to do. So yeah. let's offer it in those times. But yeah, it is it is unfortunate. And it's yeah. hard to seek it out, especially if you're outside of the downtown core. Mm-hmm. It's like all of a sudden you're like, am I going to make the trip in Yeah, yeah. to see this thing? It's also like... You des- like when you go it's like, like I've got like this two weeks with this kid I gotta get something going on right? <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, <clears throat> is there anything that Panto has taught you that you didn't know before about writing <laughs> it will change daily depending on your actors <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is a Panto it's supposed to be that way mm-hmm. but um, it's it's improved my comedy skills a lot mm. Uh, definitely, definitely that's been a big thing is figuring out timing and figuring out when you need the the breaks mm-hmm. and, and how to incorporate that. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, improved that mm. aspect. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do, do you tend to write outside of, like you've written Grey and that took you technically 10 years to write, but really only like a few months um, outside of like things when you have an idea, do you t- tend to write really con- uh, constantly or do you write specific for projects now? I mainly I write for projects mm-hmm. um, but I mean I still I journal mm. always um, and I find that I write still poetry mm-hmm. that's sort of something that's just always there, mm. you know, just based on something I saw or an emotion or... Mm. Um, so that's probably the constant. I haven't really written a short story in a long time. Mm. I think about it. I think about writing short stories too and then they turn into plays. Y- yeah. Right? Because it's sort of, it's that, I mean, it's the thing that I'm most comfortable with mm-hmm. is theater. Yeah. Um, I do have I do have other projects on the go, but it just they're not theater, but they are screenplays. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's still in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find that um, writing something that's not for theater, my my instincts and, and the way that I write tends to go so much towards theater because I don't have to fill in so many blanks. Like a, yeah, a theater script yeah. is a collaboration that doesn't become completely finished until the director and an actors have done their thing with mm-hmm. it. So you write the dialogue and some skeleton of a description. Yeah. And then you pass it off to somebody else. Whereas a short story, you gotta just That's all it. of it. That's all of it. Yeah. All of it is different. And it's different I 
find it's a different way of looking at writing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I would be interested to um, try something like Room. Mm-hmm. Like where it's in the first person from a specific point of view. Right. That yes, would probably yeah. be an interesting way of exploring a world that wasn't theater. Because then you can think of it like a monologue in a way that um, like a short story or a novel is not usually. But yeah. you're writing, if you're writing in the in this first yeah. person. Yeah. And then figuring out how you get the exposition in. Yes. It, yeah. It, it would be, yeah. It would yeah. be, that's a, that's, be interesting. Yeah. be a cool mm. exercise. Yeah. It would. It would. Challenge. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's get this writing going. Um, the monologue that you wrote the first that first time. Um, do you remember? What do you remember about that first monologue that you wrote? I remember that it was a a child. Um, I, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it was somebody that was going into a memory mm-hmm. of being a child. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember specifically that I had to be very physical. The exercise mm-hmm. itself was meant to be very physical. And so it was the, it was a child in kindergarten um, telling his teacher about a hamster. What about it? I don't remember. These are the, these are the tiny little things that I remember. Mm-hmm. Something about a hamster and his experience in the classroom. Maybe the hamster died. Maybe the child accidentally killed the hamster. Right. I don't remember. But yeah, so it was it was it, there was there was a switch in H because that was the physical element uh, that I was yeah, bringing yeah. in from yeah. from the adult into this five or six mm-hmm. year old. Okay. Yeah, that's about all I remember. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember if you, the first time you were performing that? Was that a did you feel as vomitous as you did? No, it was no? the best. Okay. I loved it. Hmm. I loved it because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't any expectation of filling uh, somebody else's words or if somebody else had known the monologue, did you get it exactly right or other people's perceptions of what that character should be. I was mm-hmm. like, this is just my character. Right. So I make it what it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I had fun during that. Hmm. Is, is is there like we're just going to delve into the psychology of like so there's that which was like nobody knows and this is exhilarating and then there's somebody else performing your stuff which uh, makes you kind of want to vomit yeah. the first time yeah um, what's can you think about of, of some of this like the difference between the two it's still your words yeah well I think part of it was probably an age thing mm-hmm. and a comfort thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was probably a bit more fearless because I wasn't being judged on the writing. I was being right. judged on the acting. Okay. In mm-hmm. which I had a bit more confidence at right. that point. Whereas, so yeah, mm-hmm. so it was more about the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no level of expectation. Okay. And the audience was my classroom. Right. So yeah. there was definitely a comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think that's that's pretty much what mm. it is. I think the idea, it's not so much other people speaking my words, because I think if I were to do a one-woman show that was all mine, I would still be terrified now. Mm-hmm. Because it's not in a classroom, and because it is being put out there into the world. Having, having just done that, yes. It is more terrifying than anything I've done. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. What was what was the show you were doing? It was called The Commandment. I did it at the Hamilton Fringe last year. Okay. I was a solo show, so it was like all my words. It's all me. If they hate this, they like. That's you. It's me. You. I have nothing behind <laughs> the fuck. So scary. Say, oh, the writer. Oh, the actor. I can't do. <laughs> it's anything. not what I intended. No, it's like <laughs> it's everything. So it's like more fear. Yeah. Than I've ever had. Yeah. No Before kidding. I went on stage. Right. And then after. After I went on stage. The first time it was just like, it was like this railroad. It was just like, it went and it was exhilarating, but it was just like, a, sort of like, oh, almost done. Oh, now it's done. I feel good. And that was fine. But the second time was exhilarating. Yeah. Just after getting over that first time. Nice. But the... Performing of a performance of a solo monologue like is it probably one of the most terrifying things I've done. Yeah. Oh yeah, I bet. But I kind of recommend. Like now I've done it, I'm like, I want to do more. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that because and because they're great. Like Rick Miller. Yeah. <sighs> Denny McIver for me, like yeah, McIver, like, yeah. Like, like I would read his stuff and I'd be like, hey, "Why? This guy, is yeah, so, yeah, bigger than Jesus yeah. was one of my favorite mm-hmm. shows." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I, the first monologue I ever did was from House. Mm. Yeah, mm. mine was uh, Wild Abandon was the first one. Nice. Like just like I could I could sort of like mark my life my theater life in various Danny McIver shows <laughs> just like in terms of what, ones that I was reading and obsessing over at the time um, would you ever think about doing a show solo yourself? Yeah I yeah. did I have okay. I have thought about it I haven't thought of a, a story and I don't mm. know if I'll actually have the courage to do it um, but a, a friend of mine who I met doing a fringe show mm-hmm. a couple of years ago um, she was interested in doing one she actually is doing it this fringe. I don't know what it's called though. Who's your friend? Ada Ballin. Alright. I don't know. I don't know how it's turned okay. out. So okay. we, we had a lot of conversation about how she would approach the subject matter and how mm-hmm. she was gonna write it. Um and so and it sort of inspired me. I was like, this, yeah. this is so brave and so interesting and and I I have some ideas but I'm not exactly sure um mm. how, how I would go about it. But yeah, I think I would at some point. It's the, I mean, writing something like that is the question because it's a sort of a different animal than writing mm-hmm. a oh, play. Right? Right. There's like so many different voices and dialogue and yeah. things like that. It's like, how do you approach this with one voice? Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think at some point I would probably try it because I still like performing. Mm-hmm. Like I still love that. Yeah. And don't do it all that often, but. It's a great way to do it. Have have they? Do you have a venue yet for Pass Marai? Pass Marai, Main Space. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so excited. It was our nice. first choice. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean it's a great, such a great space, and I think it's really close to the Fringe Tent this year. It is quite. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's really close. Yeah, it's like it will be the closest venue. It's so Dundas it's and a, Bathurst, right? Yeah, is the thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so like, yeah, just, just right up the street. Yep. Oh, that's convenient. That's a great space it's to convenient. fire now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. For your, yeah. Super close. It's true, because last year it was Randolph that was right across the street. Yes. So it's like, yeah. oh, there's a show starting in 10 minutes. Let's go. Yeah. Now you've got now you've got shows right over here, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is a great way to, yeah. 
Good thinking. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, it was a great venue. Well, we're pretty much out of time, but thank you so much for talking with me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah.